The Sooners were downed by the Horned Frogs on Saturday in Fort Worth. We're going to break it all down, talk about what in the world to do with this team. Moving on to the Red River Showdown on today's episode of Locked On Sooners. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Sooner Nation, and welcome to Locked On Sooners. We'd like to thank LinkedIn Jobs for being the official college football recruiting sponsor across the Locked On College Network. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash College. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you for joining us. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. You can read my work covering the Sooners over at Soonerswire.com. He's Josh Helmer. You can follow him on Twitter at JoshOnRef. You can also hear him Monday through Friday from 9 to noon on 94.7 The Ref in Norman. Josh, what in the world happened on Saturday? This, does, this did not look like a team that was trying to bounce back. This looked like a team that was still stuck in that same type of performance that we saw a week ago against Kansas state. Well, what happened on Saturday is something that hasn't happened to the Oklahoma program in a long, long time. Now, OU has recently, as recently as 2020, remember the COVID season, you started 0-2 in conference play, uh, losses to Kansas state, then the the road loss to Iowa state uh, and, and obviously rattled off, uh, what, however many, eight, nine wins in a row, right, to win the Big 12 championship, and then the, the big bowl game went over Florida. So that's happened in recent memory to Oklahoma. But the complete and utter embarrassment that was this second loss in a row and starting 0-2 in conference play, the Iowa State loss a couple of years ago, John, you came out of that thing and you could have won the football game, right? You, you left the end of the game thinking like, oh, man, how did they not throw that flag for – uh, defensive pass interference, you know, I mean, there was there was hope in the disappointment for Oklahoma. There's not a lot of hope coming out of this uh, complete thrashing that TCU put on you down in Fort Worth. Instead, there's, again, disappointment. There's devastation. There's, man, where the heck do you go from here? And the simple solution to that is, man, there can't be guys running, you know, wide open. There can't be four 60-plus yard touchdowns in a game. You know, at times we've seen Oklahoma when there's been defensive problems over the last decade. Again, those easy chunk play touchdowns where four of them, four of them, you give up 28 points just like that. So that's that's step one for Oklahoma. That can't be happening uh, this next week. And obviously, Texas in the Red River Showdown has two guys, John, that they've got the personnel to ding you in that capacity. We saw it the opening play of last year's. Red River uh, showdown where Xavier Worthy caught a football, boom, zips to the end zone. So, man, in terms of how do they get this fixed, that's that's ground zero is don't do that again. You know, a week ago watching Kansas State, like I, I was kind of sports mad. And I don't often get mad watching sports, mostly because my family's around. I don't want to act a fool. Um, but the family was all gone. Everybody's out of the house. Or the kids were in the bed. Wife was at the game, actually. So I was like, I don't know, just – kind of losing losing my stuff here and there against against TCU all I could do is shake my head because you're right just watching guys run so wide open that you can't find a sooner on the screen is 100% demoralizing 
you're like, okay, all of the problems that you had against Kansas State, we were supposed to fix those this week heading into the matchup with TCU, and it didn't look like anything got fixed. It was same story, different verse, and the Oklahoma defense was just bad. It was just straight up bad on every level. Like, There's not really a positive thing that you can take away from the defensive performance in that game. No pass rush whatsoever. The tackling was horrendous. The coverage was abysmal. It was non-existent. I mean, when your head coach is out there in the post game saying we're bad, but we're not that bad. Like for him to just straight up say we're bad, like that's not a great sign for this team and where they're headed. I, I was just at a loss for words midway through the first quarter in this game, because I just thought they can't stop them. They, they literally can't make a stop at least against Kansas state. You kind of got on a bit of a roll defensively where you could make a few stops, but against TCU, you had no answer whether it was Max Dugan running the football or hitting big plays or Kendry Miller. Like we talked about Kendry Miller in the lead up to this one, who was the understudy to Zach Evans last year, but he had a great game, like 13 carries over hundred yards. Like the dude gassed you and was way more physical than your defense was. And I think just from a, a character, like a characteristic standpoint, the Oklahoma defense just hasn't looked physical the last couple of weeks. They've been out toughed. And they've been beat up at the point of attack regularly, whether it was Kansas State or TCU. I, I don't know what to make of this because I, I felt like coming into the Kansas State game, that we had a pretty good handle on what this team was about. That Nebraska game, I mean, is Nebraska just that bad? Or did Oklahoma just suddenly forget how to play defense in the matter of two weeks? Because I, I have a hard time believing that it's they just forgot how to play defense or that Nebraska is just that bad. I feel like it's somewhere in the middle, but for what happened against them on, on Saturday was very much like what Baylor did to him. I think it was like 2014 where, you know, Baylor just steamrolled the Sooners. It, like I said, it left, it left me at a loss for words. And I was kind of glad that we didn't record this show Saturday night because I, I wouldn't have known what to say, having a day to digest it and really like think back on it. All I can, a lot of what I can come to is that the defense was just absolutely horrendous. And, it may take time for it to get better. It's going to require some patience. Are we going to be willing to be patient? Well, no. Uh, Oklahoma fans are not going to be willing to be patient. And obviously for Brent Vittables and this staff, it's now a terrible start to their run. It looked like it was off to such a great start with the, the demolition of Nebraska. I mean, we come out of that thing. We're talking about, oh, man, you give up an opening drive touchdown, but no big deal. Look at the way they responded. Man, this is different. Everything's different. Well, the positivity high has worn off, and now we're all faced with the reality that, man, this might be a bad football team. You know, unless they get things seriously, seriously corrected with what's going on defensively, man, I'm with you. It should be, you hope. Somewhere in the middle, we're, I think we're finding out this week versus Texas. If they can't get geeked up and go out and play inspired football versus Texas and there's not defensive stops to be had, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see about this is a its own whole other conversation on Dylan Gabriel. I mean, what is his status going to be this week? Is he going to be able to play versus Texas after uh, the cheap shot that he took versus TCO? And if, if the answer is no, John, I don't think there's any way they're winning the football game. Not with Davis Bevel at quarterback. Not after what uh, I saw versus TCU with him at quarterback. So, I mean, clearly they don't have confidence in putting General Booty out there. 
They don't think Nick Evers is ready. So, man, there's a lot of problems if Dylan Gabriel is not ready to go this next week in a football game for Oklahoma. So that's its own, again, discussion that I think we have to have. But before we move on from the defense, how about this? Man, is there anybody on this team that can cover for Oklahoma? Woody Washington, we came into the season talking about, oh, man, you know, here's a guy that had the groin injury that was prolonged last season, and that was a big loss for OU. He looks like somebody now, John, that suddenly he can't cover anybody without grabbing a jersey and, you know, pass interfering or defensive holding. He looked he looked terrible, terrible on Saturday. Yeah, it's, it's hard to imagine that he would have this big of a fall. Now, Quentin Johnson's a great player. He's one of the most physically gifted players in the conference. But, and I think Brent Venables talked about it, you know, like they just played undisciplined when you were in the right position to turn and look for the ball at all. And there were several, there were several occurrences where that was the case. I think about there was a, a throw down the right sideline. It was well covered. You had a safety over the top. And Justin Harrington, as opposed to looking back for the football, just decides to like put his hand in there and poke it away and get the pass break up. But I'm like, you you were in good position. You could have turned and looked to, for the ball and tried to make a play on the ball. Same thing with Trey Morrison. On a play that was 100% targeting, I don't know how they didn't throw a flag for either pass interference or targeting on that play. But again, he doesn't turn at all and look for the ball. He just goes headhunting. And I don't know if that was like a in response to uh, the Dylan Gabriel hit and he's just out there trying to you know stand up for his guy or not. I mean, in hockey, that would have very much been the case. But in football, you don't know if that sort of thing happens. But yes, turn and look for the football. Try to make a play on it. Get a turnover like a game-changing turnover that can might lift your lift your team up a little bit. Uh, but I agree with you. Like the offense is a whole nother discussion that we'll have to have. And we'll, we'll have some of that here after uh, Josh talks to you about LinkedIn a little bit. Absolutely, John. LinkedIn is the way to go for all of you out there. You know, th th these days, every new potential hire, it can feel like high stakes. It can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. And that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs, they find the right people for your team faster and for free. It's easy to create a free job post on LinkedIn Jobs. You just add your job, toss the purple hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions. They make it easy to focus on candidates with right skills and experience so that you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview, and obviously, eventually, who you'd like to hire. We're coming up on that point in the year where you want to finish the year strong, and you want the right team member to help you do just that. It's why small businesses, they rate, rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus the leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs, they help you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to again faster. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college that's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free terms and condition conditions apply well uh let's talk about what happened offensively for oklahoma it, it wasn't a complete unmitigated disaster for oklahoma before dylan gabriel went down but man there was still plenty of bad before dylan gabriel went down gabriel i thought this was john and maybe it's just because of how lopsided it got uh, between Oklahoma and TCU once the, the final tally was in. 
But this was the first week where some of those misses, and it probably should have been last week for me in the loss against Kansas State. But this was the week where some of those throws that he was missing early to allow this thing to start going downhill the way that it did, it felt very pronounced to me, John. And they were. It seemed like every drive there was an overthrow of some sort, whether it was on a short ball or a deep ball. It didn't really matter. Dylan Gabriel was just throwing high when he was still in the game. And we hope, Dylan, you're doing great. We hope everything's good, you know, in the concussion protocol. But, yeah, it was not his best game. He he was 7 of 16 on the day, only threw for 126 yards and didn't throw a touchdown in this one. Almost had the one to Braden Willis on the, the long catch and run. Uh, that was a really good throw, a really great throw that he made. But, I mean, the Oklahoma Sooners started off the game pretty poorly. You know, their drive situ- their drive sequence, uh, they went, you know, fumble on Marvin Mims, uh, you know, first series of the game, and then punt, field goal, turnover on downs, punt, and then finally scored a, t- a touchdown with 2.15 left to go in the first quarter. Like, when your defense is not playing good, you have to be more efficient offensively. You've got to get more out of your drives than seven points in the first 13 minutes of the game. I mean, TCU was up on them huge from the get-go, but that's the moment that you as an offense buckle in and you're like, all right, we got nothing to lose. Let's play sound football and let's just make play and just make the next play. Okay. But your quarterback for whatever reason just couldn't hit anybody. Like this was a very inaccurate game and they had chances down the field. One was a, a bad overthrow to Marvin Mims. I say a bad overthrow. It looks like Marvin, it looked to me at, at times where Marvin Mims, I don't know, just positioned himself weirdly as he was running down the field for that and just kind of stumbled and wasn't able to run into the ball. Another one should have been defensive pass interference. Mims got his arm tugged on just as he's diving for the ball. Uh, but other than that, like Dylan Gabriel was just hitting guys and, you know, five yard out. And it was going over their head or 10 yard out and it was going over the head. Not great. Not great at all. And we've seen him play better than this. I mean, we've seen the overthrows. We've seen the misses, but we didn't see him this bad until this game. And I don't know if he just started pressing because they got down early and there's been so much of a focus on trying to start fast that everybody on the offensive side of the football is just pressing but they need to get back to just playing relaxed football and just making the play that's there and not worrying about having to have a big play every time or having to be perfect. Just go play football because this team is playing really tight right now. I think both on both sides of the football, they're just playing so afraid to make a mistake. They're making all the mistakes. You know, to give the offense just a a little bit of a break here and I'm not, you know, in the business of trying to give anybody a bunch of breaks, but Man, uh, there there wasn't any wiggle room on Saturday, right? I mean, the defense was so bad that – run down that, that drive chart in the first quarter, by the way, again, would you? I mean, think about just the amount of drives that Oklahoma had in this game, and partially in the first quarter, partially of their own doing, because obviously they weren't moving the football quickly, which meant that you, you punted it right back away. But just list those those first couple of drives real quick again. All right, so you started off fumble and then punt – field goal, turnover on downs, punt, touchdown. You follow that up with a punt in the second quarter, your second touchdown, punt, punt, and that's how the first half ended. You punted one, 
two, three, four, five times in the first half. Yeah. I mean, not good enough. And I was curious. I mean, that, that first quarter illustrates the, again, just combination of non-complimentary football for Oklahoma. I mean, quick fumble right by the offense. Boom. Uh, TCU score straight away. I mean, get it right back. Give it right back to TCU. I mean, so the offense was terrible, but man, the, the defense, the way that they're just giving up chunk touchdowns that quickly and drives that quickly really put the offense kind of under the gun. And this was a situation where obviously, especially early in this game, Oklahoma's offense in that first quarter simply did not deliver, did not uh, live up to the billing for Oklahoma at all to keep them in this thing to make it a shootout. But it was just, dude, across the board, a complete blowout for Oklahoma. I mean, just about anything that could go wrong did go wrong. We mentioned this in the Locked On Now, but, you know, I'll give credit where credit's due. This is just me, the printout I have of Parker Thune's tweet. At the conclusion of the TCU game, the Sooners were without the following players due to injury. Starting quarterback, starting and backup running backs, starting wide receiver, starting right tackle, both of their starting safeties, their top two edge rushers. Plus, they had a banged-up center and a left tackle. I mean, it was anything that could go wrong in this game, in addition to how poorly Oklahoma played on both sides of the football, man, it that was this game versus TCU. And your hope, I guess – you know, outside of just the reality that Oklahoma was terrible, John, across the board, is that maybe this was just the perfect storm of awful, all wrapped up in uh, one package for Oklahoma in a game. I mean, that's kind of, I guess, your only hope coming out of it. Yeah, I guess. I just, the thing that I took away from that is that this team doesn't have much depth. You know, if you're you're losing, obviously you lose guys and it's going to hurt you. But, you know, if you aren't able to sustain the loss of Eric Gray. That's, that's troubling or of Theo Wees. That's a bit, that's a bit troubling as well. Now it's evident how important Billy Bowman is to this defense. I think I might've probably underrated his importance heading into this game, but now I know he's very vital to the secondary and to the coverage unit because after he went out, it was just all downhill from there. This team has to improve its depth. I mean, you look to the future and you look at what this team is right now. And sure, there's some talented pieces on this, on this roster, but if one person goes down and it turns into that kind of a game or even as many people as went down in that game, I mean, a lot of these guys were lost late in the game. It wasn't early. And I felt like there was enough time. You know, you talk about the offensive lineman. I felt like there was enough time for the quarterbacks, but you know, Dylan Gabriel or Davis Bevel just, didn't feel comfortable for whatever reason they were pressing. Uh, you know, we can talk about Davis Bevel again if we want to tonight, but I have very little confidence in his ability to lead Oklahoma to a win against Texas. If they are indeed going to have to start him, I you just look at the, the stats and they threw six times in the second half, just six. And I don't know how you do that. I don't know how you can run it. 24 times, sorry, six times in the fourth quarter, 14 times in the second half. Well, you run it 24 times, you throw it 14 times. But I never felt like they were comfortable throwing the football. Third and three, you need to pick up a first down to try and get something going. And you run a read option with Bevel, who's not very athletic, and he doesn't pick up anything. He gets tackled for a loss. 
Like if he's going to be your quarterback, you got to take out the, the quarterback run game. I think you just have to. I mean, maybe he can make some plays in scramble situations, but no designed runs. It's just not going to work. Um, the injuries that happens, that's a part of football. You got to be better and you got to have better depth and you got to be able to have, rely on guys to be able to step up. None of that happened. The guys in your secondary, they weren't able to step up in this game. Justin Harrington, for all the, the positive things that we heard about him coming out of training camp, I thought he did not have a good game. Um, you know, I, I, if we're going to look at any kind of silver lining in this one, Javante Barnes looked really, really good. Jalil Farouk, dude was a beast on kickoff returns. Throw him back there and let him return kicks because he's really, really good at it. Several times putting Oklahoma in great field position in that game. Unfortunately, they weren't able to capitalize on it because the offense just was out of sync all day long. But I really liked what I saw out of those two guys. So at least you have, you know, a couple pieces for your future. You're like, okay, you feel really, really good about um, moving forward. So. Yeah, I don't know. We can we can share some final thoughts on this here in a second. But first, I want to talk to you all about Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and the easiest place to bet on all your favorite sports, from football to basketball, NHL, Major League Baseball as well. You can get in on MMA, boxing, and golf action. The Oklahoma Sooners right now over at Bet Online are opening as a six and a half point underdog. So, uh, in, for the Red River Showdown. So if you're interested on taking that action, Texas by six and a half, then you can get in on the action over at Bet Online. Again, the fastest and easiest place to bet on all your favorite sports. The over and under is currently 65. Oh man, with the way Oklahoma's defense is playing lately, I'd definitely be considering the over on that one. So go to Bet Online, fastest place, best place to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet Online is where the game starts. Josh, before we kind of wrap up here, We'll have more to dig in and dive into on this game. One thing I, I was curious about and just kind of thought about as I'm, you know, transcribing Brent Venable's press conference and I'm listening to it and watching it back. And is he too honest with the media? I don't think so, man. No. Okay. You know, I, I don't think so. Um, I don't believe that you, you know, unless you're giving away trade secrets, I don't believe that you can be too honest with the media. I think it's okay to have honesty. I think that probably, you know, for his sake, if things don't start going better very quickly, his honesty, you know, the same way that Lincoln Riley's we're close, rub people the wrong way. I mean, everything you do in a media setting is going to start rubbing people the wrong way if you're losing, right? If you're not winning. And Brent Venables right now has plenty of built up equity, right? The recruiting class looks great for Oklahoma. It's year one. Uh, it, this is somebody that has had a ton of success as a coordinator at the University of Oklahoma. And nationally, he's won national championships. So there's no reason to hit the panic button yet. But if things keep going south and this thing turns into a five, six, seven loss season for Oklahoma, and I think, you know, Coming out of next week, if you lose the Red River Showdown, you're going to have to embrace the reality that this thing could turn into a total disaster of a season for Oklahoma because you look at the way the schedule stacks up right now, John, and there's no layup games. I mean, we talked about this going into TCU this past week. There's nobody left on Oklahoma's schedule 
that right now you just look at and you say, oh, yeah, OU is beating them. If what we've seen the last two weeks is who Oklahoma is defensively, man, there's a lot of losses coming on Oklahoma's schedule. they got to get a heck of a lot better. And I would just say this on Davis Bevel, and I feel bad saying it, but it's the reality of the situation. If Oklahoma, to your point on, okay, he threw it 14 times, but it never really felt like they wanted to throw it with him. Well, yeah, I mean, they're doing little dump-off passes to running backs in the flat. John, if Davis Bevel is Oklahoma's quarterback for the rest of the season, which, you know, at some point, Dylan Gabriel, you'd think would come back, right? But versus Texas, because of the concussion protocol, I don't know what the approach is going to be there. If it's Davis Bevel, let's look at it and call it what it is. I don't think Oklahoma's beating anybody on its schedule unless they run for 300-plus yards with their running backs. Based on what I saw Saturday of Davis Bevel with their quarter backup quarterback, OU's not beating anyone on its schedule the rest of the way. So, you know, that's just a commentary on what the backup quarterback situation looks like right now for Oklahoma. And then, you know, honestly, a quality, the quality of schedule left for Oklahoma. I mean, there's a lot of challenges left on this schedule. Oklahoma simply has to get a hell of a lot better in a hurry. Yeah, they get no days off. I mean, Texas coming to town, you got to face Xavier Worthy and Bajan Robinson. Then you get Kansas and Jalen Daniels. It, it's not great. It's not great at all. And at some point, like as much as the players and execution is a problem, I think we have to start wondering about the coaching too. Like I, I'll, I'll, I'll let you comment on that as well. But I, I do want to. I do wonder, like, what is where is the disconnect right now with the coaches and the players, like why are they struggling so hard to understand whatever concepts they're trying to deploy defensively? That's the part I'm, I'm and, and it could have been the injuries just left them without somebody that was reliable at the back end of the secondary, but we've seen DeMond Harmon play prayers up to DeMond Harmon. I hope everything is going okay with you. We've seen him play a lot this year. That, that wasn't his first rodeo against TCU. Justin Harrington, we've seen him play too. But for some reason, it just wasn't connected. Like there was just no defensive connection where they were communicating well and you know passing guys off in zone as well as they should have. So sorry, you wanted to to, to jump on something else that I had said before I started talking about the coaching. No, I mean, look, there's so many different directions we can go with this thing, and I think that's an interesting point you bring up, and probably something we're going to have to delve a little bit deeper into as the week goes on. I just wanted to circle back around because, you know, I, I kind of quickly dismissed it. I mean, I don't, you know, I don't think there's something is too honest. I mean, unless you, again, I think almost anything you say is not open enough or too honest. I mean, if you're losing anything you do in a public setting to me is going to get, you know, there's going to be people saying, Oh, I don't like that. I don't like this about the coach or I don't like that. But what was it about the honesty? I mean, to just bring it back full circle, what, what do you, what is it with you that made you ask that question? So, I mean, I think it was the way that he like responded to the question about, you know, when he said we're bad, but we're not that bad. Like he kind of chuckled beforehand. I understand that accountability is huge. It's important. I understand that, you know, a coach like coach speak kind of rubs everybody the wrong way. Like you don't want platitudes. You don't want these cliches. I get that. And even as a media member, I don't want that. Like Brent Venables is giving us a lot of great material weekly, but I wonder how as a player, when you hear your coach tell the media that you're bad, I mean, he's going to tell them too, but 
when, when you talk like that about the team out front as a player, what is that? How do you feel about that? And I know people aren't going to care about what the player feels. That's not of most people's concern, but I just, I just think of that, especially as somebody who's covered the NFL for some time, like NFL players would not appreciate being called out in the public like that. Um, and I can't imagine that a college kid would as much like, you know, a couple of weeks ago when Jaron Kanick had his big game against Nebraska and, you know, Brent Venables comes out and says, he doesn't even know what he's doing yet. Like, I, I think that was, it was kind of meant maybe as a, a bit of a backhanded compliment. Like he's playing great, but he has no clue what's going on out there. Like, do you really, is that really what we want to say about a kid who just had a really great game? Like, can you just not say, yeah, he had a really, really good game. We got, we still got some improving to do. Like, it doesn't have to be like a hundred percent, everything you think all the time. You know what I mean? Like I, I love Brent Venables. I think he's going to be a great coach. I'm not at all trying to diminish what he's capable of doing here at the university of Oklahoma. I just wonder at some point, like hold a few things back and not feel like you have to be as open and honest. I don't even want to say honest, but as like as deep as you want to be. So like I've been through security trainings and they talk about a simple, truthful statement when you're being interrogated what's true and what's simple. So like the, the question is how close are you or like, are, you know, where are you at as a football team or something like that? Well, obviously you saw today, we were not very good today, but we have room that we can improve. We think there's things that we can do better. You know, you can say things like that as opposed to like, we're bad. I don't know. It just, it just hits a little bit differently or with Jaron Canick, like he had a great game today. There's some areas where he can improve his game as opposed to saying he doesn't even know what he's doing yet. I don't know. I feel like there's just ways that he could improve his kind of coach speak a little bit just to create a better sense of, I don't know, like camaraderie or, you know, like if, if football, if football's family at the university of Oklahoma, do you go out in front of a group of people and talk about your family? That's, that's just kind of where I'm at. And again, you're right. We're all going to be very hypercritical about everything that's going on right now because of the circumstances in which Oklahoma is in right now. It's just one of those things. It's just like, I, I watched it. And I'm like, okay, as the media person, thank you. I appreciate this as kind of a fan of the team. I'm like, maybe let's just not be as upfront out in the open as you want to be. Maybe just hold a few things back. You don't have to say everything that's on your mind. Just be, just be more diplomatic, I guess is the best way to put it. And I think, a couple of things about that. Number one, and this is not saying that you're wrong or Brent Venables is right or by any stretch. You could say I'm wrong. It's okay. No, I, I don't necessarily think you're wrong. I think you're bringing up some pretty legitimate points of conversation that if this thing keeps going south or even if this thing gets turned around a little bit, I mean, I think Brent Venables is learning as a head coach. And, you know, when you're the CEO, when you're the face of a program, He's never done that, right? I mean, he's a first-year head coach. So I think that if he self-evaluates, at some point, how he is with the media is going to be a part of that self-evaluation, John. And I think you look back at each of Oklahoma's last two head coaches, Bob Stoops, Lincoln Riley. Both of those guys were wildly open and transparent, I think, with the media when they started. And then the further along it went, what were some of the gripes about both Bob Stoops and Lincoln Riley was, ah, well, they're just – you know, they're, they're not open enough with us. Uh, they, they just won't be honest with us. 
Well, it's kind of right now you're getting now the, the anti of that with, with uh, Brent Venables. He's too honest, right? He's too open. And I would just say, again, a couple of things to that. Number one, it might be the player with Jaron Canick, right? I mean, here you've got a kid that straight up came to Oklahoma, flipped his commitment from Clemson to OU because of Brent Venables, right? So maybe, maybe that's, as a head coach, being a little bit too comfortable with that relationship in a public setting. And, and I'm just, you know, just, you know, again, counter counterpoint there. And that's something, again, that a, a head coach, maybe he's going to have to consider a little bit there. And then the other part would just be, again, the learning process as a new head coach of, okay, what is this, what is this tightrope here? Have I been a little bit too transparent? Or again, is it just, is it, is it all good when it's all good and you're winning? And is it now kind of, you know, you're losing. And so sort of whatever you say is, is is, maybe it is too honest. I don't know. I think those are fair questions though. Yeah. I mean, I get it. I'm hundred percent nitpicking a guy who just saw his team get beat down in a frustrated, you know, moment. And also like dealing with the emotion of what happened with Dylan Gabriel, what happened with DeMond Harmon. I probably shouldn't be critical. I apologize. Brent Venables, you do you, but yeah, I think at some point he just has to be a little bit more diplomatic with some of the things that he says about the team because, I mean, yes, he wants them to be accountable. Yes, he wants them to, you know, feel the 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 weight of their kind of play and their mistakes and the boat, you know, or in the good things. Like they want to, he wants them to feel all of it. But at what point do you not share that those things with the media? And instead hold that back for your team, for your film sessions and, or your, your team meetings. Like, you know, like he went through a whole, whole spiel about how, you know, we were in cover three and they ran a smash route and like, he like completely broke down like in detail what happened on the play and how they messed it up in, in front of the media. So anyway, all that to say is, I love Brent Venables. I think he's going to be a really good coach for the Oklahoma Sooners. I'm nowhere near anybody that might be considering like this not to be a good hire. I still think it's a great hire. I still think it's going to take some time. I think we have to re kind of structure our expectations a little bit, but I do think down the road, we're going to see a great Oklahoma Sooners football team again, because Brent Venables is a good coach. He's, going to do a really good job recruiting defense. We're already seeing the offensive recruits that are coming to Oklahoma still. Um, so yeah, that's all. That's it. Just be a little more diplomatic. Maybe we don't need to know everything you're thinking, but you're going to do you. You're, you're the defensive head coach. That's one, you know, several national championships as a decent defensive coordinator. I'm just John Williams on a podcast. So don't take any advice from me, but I, I just very like PR oriented, I guess. And that's kind of why it kind of rubbed me the wrong way a little bit. And, and the other final point I was going to make about that is, you know, you're Brent Venables and you're walking this tightrope and this balancing act of, again, being a first year head coach and how much is too much to share with the media and the public. And again, I think the other side of that coin, John, is this is kind of who Brent Venables so far has built his reputation up as at Oklahoma, right? I mean, this was what we were praising Brent Venables for. And this is, oh man, look at all these recruits and the moms and dads and the families, the way that they're responding to just the honesty that is Brent Venables and the staff. And so again, how do you, 
how do you do both, right? And is that something, the duality of Brent Venables to where he's going to, at some point, look at this and say, you know what, maybe I have shared a little bit too much. I don't know. I, it's very interesting. And I could be hyper-analyzing this based on everything that's happened over the weekend. Play better football. Play yeah. better football. Please do that. Just play better football. Because the recruits don't seem to be bothered by anything that's happened over the last week. Like, everybody is still locked in. They're still 100% in with Oklahoma. So, I mean, I don't know. We – Again, hyper-analyzing here on a overreaction Monday of the Locked On Sooners podcast. But that's going to do it for today's episode. We'll be back tomorrow to continue breaking down what happened with TCU and start getting you ready for the Red River Showdown with the Texas Longhorns. Hopefully, Dylan Gabriel's back. Hopefully, DeMond Harmon, you're doing okay out there, uh, getting well and getting healthy and resting and recuperating. Uh, sounds like all things are are okay. Everything, All the scans were negative on DeMond Harmon. Uh Dylan Gabriel's in the concussion protocol. So that'll be something for us to monitor as the week goes on. But until next time, he's Josh Helmer. I'm John Williams. We'll catch you then. Boomer Sooner.